0: The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series authored by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, with Larry Dixon and Veronica Jaguar, read and produced by Veronica Jaguar. Roll the Bones, written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. So, that's what I've got. That's all I've got. Vicky told John Murdoch. Not that she was face-to-face with him. She was just a voice in his ear. She might have been a ghost, except for the stack of transmitted pages Savior had handed to him before he boarded an Echo cargo plane headed for a small airstrip outside of Wichita. As the CCCP was an Echo ally, he got access to empty seats on no notice and with no records. After touching down, he was able to have a truck arranged. American-made and not all that new. It'd fit him with the usual traffic, which was important. John didn't want to stick out in the slightest for this assignment. The flight had actually passed quickly, and in a way he hadn't expected. Vicky had piped music to him, asked for a basic playlist, and played DJ for an audience of one. After driving for about three hours and change, he was on the outskirts of Kansas City. He took the time to stop the truck on the side of the road and get out to survey it, just to take things in. He was still on schedule, but the few minutes it'd take him to orient himself would be worth it. A voice piped into his ear, interrupting his thoughts. If it's abandoned, my plans will be good. If the Thulians have it, I would bet that the underground plans are still good. Those things were built to withstand a direct nuke, and it's going to be hard to alter the basic layout or where the ventilation, plumbing, and wiring goes. Eh, hey, Vic? John adjusted his ball cap, waiting for a reply. Roger. You're ruined in the moment. Bite me, monkey boy. He grinned, then returned to his truck, starting it, and driving towards Kansas City. John didn't take long to find a fairly run-down motel to check into. He'd developed a keen eye for these sort of places when he had first gone on the run six years ago, back when he still had enough cash to actually afford a place to stay. It was the kind of motel that had hourly, weekly, and monthly rates. Notel Motel. Using an assumed name and an extra few bills slipped to the night clerk, he checked in and received his key for the room. He had made sure to back his truck into to park it, with his room being on the ground floor. If he needed to split in a hurry, the extra few seconds both considerations would afford him would be worth it. You want anything besides the motel cable for entertainment? Yeah. Brief me some more on the facility while I unpack. Turn on the TV, find an empty channel, and tell me what it is. Make it one from the sat or cable. John did so. Now take the remote and hit pound sign 4573. I have to send feed to the home motel, but that will unscramble it. Done. John threw the remote onto a recliner in the corner then bent down to heft several large duffel bags onto his bed. The first thing that came up was a map, side by side with a military satellite picture of the whole site, which was a couple hundred acres. Missile silos tended to not have neighbors, or at least not close ones. John unzipped the duffel bags and began unpacking them. An M4A1 assault rifle with an attached suppressor his old Springfield 45 ACP pistol with its own suppressor, load-bearing equipment, breaching charges, several different types of surveillance gadgets, ANPVS-14 night vision device, a number of miscellaneous other gizmos that he'd either been given by Vicky or picked out himself. Here in the north you've got your best access. See the creek? A cursor traced the path. It crosses under Section Line Road, North-South 272 at the quarter-mile mark after East-West 940. The map scrolled up a little. This is a winter shot, so all the leaves are off the trees. If you pull in here, the cursor pointed at a place just off the road. You can pull the truck right under the bridge and it won't be seen from the road. Then you walk in on the creek. It's pretty well overgrown with trees the whole way. Right. Now, for once I get there, we got any intel about access to the base itself? The maps, clearly on computer windows, closed. A new map came up. This is the old plans for the base. As you might imagine, the above-ground stuff can be penetrated from several places. The creek is the most obvious, and so is the most likely to have the old booby traps still there. Or new ones, or... Both. The cursor moved around as Vicky identified which buildings used to have which functions. Now, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. Then don't, comrade. Are there any structures topside attached to the silo, as opposed to the service tunnel with the blast doors? Just the old guardhouse and ready room. There's no good way to get down there. One way in. If you say ventilation duct, I'll strangle you. Staircase? That'll work. Alright, I'm gonna kid up and start out. I ought to be getting out there right early in the morning. Hopefully they'll be running a little sloppy that early. Oh, one other thing. If this is Thulian's running the show, don't expect to plug that relay port I gave you into anything. This is not a movie. Aliens do not use Minisoft. I'll worry about that when I get there. I'll feed you some video before I use that comp link on or anything. Now be useful and play me some... CCR. 10-4. The screen of the television filled with images from some random screensaver while the tinny speakers relayed his own private station. John had arrived on site at about 1.30 in the morning, which was perfect for him. There was a light fog, and the chill clung to him, kept him focused and awake. For the next hour, he took his time creeping along the creek that Vicky had described to him earlier. It was low. Obviously, there was a lot more water in it during the spring. Now there was barely enough to wet his boots. And there weren't any booby traps, thankfully. Still, he wasn't about to get lulled into a false sense of confidence and performed listening checks every few meters. All he heard were morning doves and bobwhite quail. He reached the terminus for the creek just on the perimeter of the guardhouse, then stopped to observe. Less than a minute later, he saw what he'd been expecting. A roving guard, dressed in simple, nondescript fatigues. John keyed his throat mic, whispering low. Vicky, you there? Roger. Think you can do some wizardry for me. I need you to scan for about the next half hour. Check out if these guys are using their radios at all. Sending you some vid now. Tapping a switch, the miniature camera on his shoulder came to life, transmitting live video. While you do that, put one bare hand on the dirt, please. He grumbled. I already have. I'm flat on my stomach here. Skin contact. This is the magic part, J.M. If I work through you, I have to work through you. John peeled off the Nomex glove on his left hand, keeping his movements deliberate and slow. Get on with it. There was a pause. An ant decided that John's sock looked like a good place to spend the winter. He hoped it wasn't a fire ant. Okay, there are two guards topside. One you can see, one on the other side of the old barracks. There are three people in the old barracks, and they're asleep. I can't magic see inside the silo... It's too dense with man-made material. There was another pause. A longer one. Okay. Coded check-ins. I think they're checking in with an automated system. Both guards use the same number sequence. Typed in. One number off for the one to the barracks. You got it recorded? Can you fake it? Is the bear Catholic? You're weird. Tell me when you're good to go. John slowly pulled his drag bag by its strap, bringing it up to his chest. He'd practiced stalking like this before, so the actions were nearly automatic. Keeping his eyes trained on the nearest guard, he pulled out his rifle and checked to make sure that it was both loaded and the suppressor was attached properly. Finally, he shouldered the rifle, turned on the 4X scope and breathed. His sight reticule found the guard's temple easily. Any time. night, Gracie. John squeezed the trigger of the M4 and was half-surprised when the rifle lightly kicked against his shoulder. He had sighted it in with the suppressor attached, so he was absolutely certain of where his rounds would strike the single 5.56 projectile impacted with the guard's head. He dropped instantly, making nary a sound. Movin'. John unhooked himself from his drag bag and then loped towards the guard's body. He checked for a pulse with his offhand and was satisfied to find none. Turn off his radio so I can fake it. He performed as asked. Give me a countdown for when the next guard will round the northeast corner of the barracks. You copy? Ten-four. John brought himself up into a half-crouch, leveling his rifle for where an average-sized man's chest would be. He waited patiently, settling into his stance and measuring his breaths. Approximately sixty seconds. Thirty Ten, five, three, two, one, mark. At that exact moment, the guard rounded the corner. John fired three shots, two at the man's chest and one at his face. All three found their target, and the guard crumpled with the slightest whimper. Same drill, get his radio. And, update, someone in the barracks had to tap a kidney. Roger. John was already up and moving when Vicky started speaking. In no time at all, he had disabled the second guard's radio and dragged his body over to the first. Is the fellow that's awake facing away from me? With the door as a frame of reference? No. Urinals are on the door side. Screw it. i going in. Without waiting for Vicky to protest, John opened the door to the barracks. He still had his NVGs on, and immediately spotted the sleeping forms of two of the Tholians. Taking a moment to gauge where their heads were, he let his rifle hang by its sling at his side, unholstering his .45. The pistol was quieter suppressed than the rifle, due to the rounds being naturally subsonic two more shots two more bodies john reoriented his sidearm on the bathroom entrance the dim light coming through like sunlight to his night vision the thulian appeared in the door and there was something just slightly off about his appearance things that if you already knew he wasn't human would have clued you in the skin was slightly shiny as if it didn't have any pores at all which was in fact the case The eyes were too far apart, the nose too flat, and the nostrils were a pair of slits. The mouth was too wide and too thin and almost lipless. The eyes widened for a moment in shock when the Thulian saw John, and the kidney-shaped pupils dilated. John's pistol jumped in his hand, and the life slipped out of the Thulian's eyes. I'm clearing the barracks, heading for the stairwell. He hit a relay on a flat and squarish device on his left forearm. A series of three LEDs lit up, then one quiet. Toggling another switch, he tested to make sure the device was in working order. Just checked your sniffer. If you get any spikes with your superstitious mumbo-jumbo before the gizmo picks him up, let me know. The only reply was the sound of Vicky blowing a raspberry. John holstered his pistol, bringing up his rifle again. With a practiced calm, he entered the stairwell and began to descend into what he was sure to be a Thulian stronghold. It was a spiraling metal staircase. John had to take extra care in controlling his footfalls in order to minimize his sound signature. He reached the bottom without a single peep from the sniffer device on his arm. So far, so good. Good. Any updates for our venture on? All I've got is the old plans, and I need bare earth or something less man-made to be able to make like a witch doctor. Wonderful. Keep on those radio checks and the sniffer. I'm heading in. It was only midway through the facility that John started encountering problems. Up to that point... Nearly every room had been cleaned out. There were scuff marks on the floors from the heavy equipment being moved around. Pieces of furniture and non-valuable bits had been left behind. But for the most part, there was nothing left in the rooms. He'd made sure to stop by what was the equivalent of a power control station for the silo. The two guards there hadn't posed as much of a threat as the security cameras. After having Vicky tap the radios of the two guards and record a loop for a camera... He made sure to shoot out all three, thanking his lucky stars they were using human tech. Once his business was done in the power room, he quickly moved on towards what he hoped would be his main objective. Now he had a problem. He was at a juncture between several halls. At the end of the one he needed to get to was what appeared to be an automated sentry gun of some sort. And it wasn't human tech. It waited with the inhuman patience of the inanimate, a wicked-looking muzzle pointing in his direction. He'd used a fiber-optic camera to peep around the corner in order to avoid being detected by it. From the fuzzy picture projected onto a built-in LCD screen, it looked like the entire juncture had been covered from all four ends at one point. Now, only the single sentry gun remained. Whatever it was guarding had to be important. Well, that's ugly. It's mean. You got any suggestions? John snaked the fiber-optic camera back from the corner, coiling it and stowing it in a pouch. It's... thulean. So it's armored in their alloy, and it's probably an energy gun. Get the reflector shield. There's no way you're getting past that quietly, so just get past it alive. John reached for his pack. He pulled out what initially resembled a small, polished silver bowl. Upon touching a button on the bottom of it, it unfolded to the size of a large kite. This was something new, borrowed from the echo labs by Bella. It was designed to reflect the energy beams from one or two hits, but no more than that. This thing has been tested, right? John whispered into the throat, Mike. So Bella says. Then here we go. John had started out around the corner, shield first, when the blast came. It tore the entire right section entirely off of the shield, almost spinning John with the force. He quickly ducked back behind cover, forcing his back against the wall. So much for that. The shield was smoking from where the sentry gun's cannon had shot away a portion of it. Odds are that thing is hooked up to an alarm. You are on the clock and it's ticking. Got any bright ideas? John slung his rifle at his side, examining the smoking shield. Let me check. No time. Gotta improvise. He threw the shield, hard, into the hallway, ricocheting it off the wall. Almost instantly the sentry gun tracked to it and fired, finishing off the silvered partial disc. In the same instant, John ducked around the corner, concentrated, and released a controlled stream of plasma, impacting the Thulian machine dead center. It exploded in a shower of sparks and acrid smoke, debris filling the hallway. It's time to move. He brought up his rifle again, centering it on the door ahead of him he kicked it just left of the handle, sending it flying off its hinges. His augmented strength served him very well in situations like this. Reverting back to his training, he checked the corners of the room, sweeping it for any targets, Thulian or otherwise. The room was clear of any threats. You're still with me, Vicky? Five by five. Well, I think I'm at the objective. Give me a sec. Okay. At your three o'clock. Big wall panel. Under the thing that looks like a clock is a slot. You'll find the doohickey I gave you fits that. Let's hope my techno-shamanism speaks alien. John fitted the palm-sized gadget. If you could call something that looked like Vicky had married half a science fiction gizmo to half of a voodoo doll, a gadget, into the slot... Immediately, a jury-rigged LED on it began flashing green. He could hear Vicky muttering under her breath, then... Bingo. Human files. Then... And it doesn't like me being there. The clock-like dial lit up and began pulsing. It's trying to self-destruct. Get what you can. I figure I'm gonna be getting company. Shit. This is like being in a wrestling match with an anaconda. He could hear the strain in her voice. Whatever it was she was doing, it was a real fight. John's concentration was broken when he heard an almost imperceptible crunch of a boot stepping on glass. He immediately ducked and spun, bringing his rifle up and centering it on the doorway. Reflexively, John fired five rounds all center of mass for the body that was standing there. There was no way that anyone would mistake this creature for human. The eyes were so far apart, they were almost on the sides of its head. The skin was shiny and gray-green, the mouth like a lizard's, the nose reduced to the nostril slits. It smelled, a bitter musky smell with an overtone of grapefruit. It was wearing body armor, and merely grunted and staggered back as John's rounds hit it. I got what I can. Grab the dingus and throw it at him. John did one better. He unslung his rifle, dropped it to the floor, and keyed his enhancements. In a flash, he was across the room and on top of the Thulian. The Nazi bastard was good. John led the attack with an elbow that should have killed the man followed by a flurry of blows directed at his face, neck, and abdomen. Flashbang! Close your eyes now! Shut up! I'm in the middle of a fight here! Too late. Vicky's dingus went off like a solar flare. John and the Thulean commander staggered, but John recovered first. Still half-blind, he struck at the commander. Bones cracked, and John could feel the distinctly wet feeling of blood soaking into his gloves. He hit something hard, maybe the Nazi's armor, and then his opponent was on the ground, dead or unconscious. John struggled back to retrieve his rifle, blinking rapidly to clear his vision. Give me a reading here. What's going on? He had already started out the door and back the way he had come, shouldering his rifle to a low ready. Corridor ahead is clear as far as the camera can see. Pickup is getting remote footfalls, running, other end of the complex, getting one, two, three. No sound at the stair end. I got it. Moving. John ran as fast as his metahuman legs could carry him. As he worked his way up through the base, he came to a section of hallways and spotted a group of Thulians at the end of it. One was carrying a box, the other weapons... He triggered and threw an HE grenade without a backwards glance, and was already at the entrance to the stairwell when the explosion rocked the corridor. His legs pumped up and down, slamming loudly against the circular stairs, finally carrying him up into the old barracks room. Thankfully, the only Thulians there were the ones he dispatched earlier. He ran in a flat-out sprint, busting through the door and out into the morning. It'd be just my luck if some straggler or someone I miss spots me and tags my dumb ass. He couldn't spare a moment to pause and check. The entire base, or what was left of it, was on full alert and likely heading right for him. Far west end of complex, patrol of five, must be in a vehicle or powered armor. They're coming your way about twenty clicks an hour. Cut it. Just let me know when I'm clear of the facility. John didn't bother whispering now. His rifle was tucked away, and he was making a beeline for his vehicle. He was well into the tree line when Vicky said, Now! John mashed his fist into a toggle on a device he had removed from one of the pouches on his gear. There wasn't any sound at first, but he felt what happened next, as clear as if he had seen it. The ground shook, jumped, and then fell down. He was in mid-stride when it happened and was dumped hard into the ground at close to 33 miles per hour. He rolled, cutting himself against rocks and brush before coming to a rest. That'll leave a mark. You're going to make it back to the truck? John took a few moments to breathe, then slowly picked himself up off of the ground. Yeah, I'm not going to look pretty, but I'll make it. Mind telling me what you did? Mm, Dug a pretty big hole by the looks of things. He bothered for a glance back at what used to be the Thulian occupied missile silo. All that was left was a 15 foot deep depression on the ground, black and oily smoke seeping from the center.